Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensah, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensah is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God.
want to be ourselves. You want to be me. One of my children told the mother that if I want to sweep the house, and you tell me that sweep the house, then I will sweep it in. You see, because I, I want to be me, not somebody commanding me from outside telling me what, you know, I don't like that. Me, I want to be me. So many young men and women, you call them Christian. They say, no, that's no longer my name. I'm called Christian. You say Paul. You say, no, I'm called Juan. Because your father, your mother gave you that name. Now you are in the university. Why should they call you that name? So you want to be me. You know, when you go to school, they tell you about Maslow's the, the type of things which make you self-actualize, be yourself. So what you want to do is what you do. So good and bad is as you want. I decide that I like to take girls. Who are you to tell me not to take girls? I want to drink. Who are you to tell me not to drink? I want to be myself. I want to be a chartered accountant. I want to be a doctor. I want to be managing director. So when you are managing director, you are saying, say, yes, I wanted to be a managing director. I am managing director. I'm a self-made man. The third choice is for people who want to be like society. What your tribe, your friends, your family members, the type of things they like and do, and say this is bad, this is good, is what is good and bad to you. So you put on a certain dress, everybody say, this is thing. You're looking massive, dashing, dashing. Then it means you should be wearing that dress. But you put on a certain dress, everybody says, hmm, what is the which kind of dress is this? So you don't put it on again. Because your conscience of what is good and right and bad is determined by what people say. If you go to a funeral and they say you must remove your shoes, wash your face in a calabash before you see the dead person, everybody is doing it, so you also do it. Because your conscience, what is good before you, is determined by what others do. At your workplace, they say, doctors don't do this. So because of that, you don't do this. Oh, lawyers, they don't do this. It's okay. So good and bad is determined by the people around you. But the fourth is people who say, I don't want to do what I like. I don't want to do what Satan likes. I don't want to do what people like. I want to do what God likes. In that case, if I dress, or I'm singing a song, or I'm doing something, and God doesn't like it, I stop. If everybody is doing something, but my God says that he doesn't like it, I do it whether they like it or not. Whether they dismiss me from my workplace or not. Whether the boy who wants to marry me says because of that you marry me or not. But I, I, I want to build my heart on what God likes, what Jesus likes, what the Holy Spirit likes. Finish. So many of our young men from Christian homes, when they get to the university, they change. They don't go to church again. 
They don't pay their tithes again. They don't pray. They don't greet their parents. All the things you were teaching them at home, they stop because they are conscience and conviction is not to please God. It's to please other people or themselves. That's it. I want to reason with you today. I want to tell you that Proverbs 19, 13, 21 says, There are many plans, strategies in the heart of man, but the counsel of God shall stand. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. You see? <laughs> you want to please yourself, you will fail. You will fail. You may not fail today, but tomorrow, God's counsel will stand against you. Look at Ganana. The city is failing. The city is failing. Cities fail. Dollars fail. Money fails. So if you just live for money, choose the course you will do because of money, you will fail. Probably it doesn't happen at yet, but we are still getting there. During the time of COVID, many things failed. They failed. Airports, airlines sold their planes. So, many young men don't even want their parents to advise them. Because they feel that your parents' advice in this computer age, what is it? What, what, what is this? These old people, old advice. If your parents are living for themselves, for the devil, or for society, the advice, you can eat it and you go away. But if your parents' conscience is built on the impregnable Bible, the Word of God, if you take it, you will fail. Because there are many devices plant in the man's heart that the counsel of God shall stand against you. So Psalm 33, verse 10 and 11, is very interesting. It says that, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. When countries plan for their currency, when a country, parliament, gathers to plan, God brings the plan of parliament to nothing. He makes the plan of the people of no effect. He makes the plan of groups of people, university chancellors, nothing. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. The plans of God's heart to all generations. I know the sermon I'm about to preach today. It's not the sermon many Christians want to hear. They want to hear how God will prosper you. They want to hear how God will make you a millionaire. They want to hear how God will miraculously pay your school fees. The counsel of God and the plans of God's heart, they stand forever. You are not on this earth to do your will. You are here so that the will of God will be done through you as it is given. You know, many of us sing it. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about... But what it really means, it's all about me, Lord Jesus. It's all about me. And you are always taking for sermons about you. You so that it will be well with you. This world is not about you. It's about 
God. It's about Jesus. It's about the Holy Spirit. Therefore, what pleases God? What moves God? What touches God's heart? What touches your heart? When your heart beats, if God has this, your problem will be handled by Him. So let's talk about God's habits. Let's read it. Matthew chapter 9. We are reading from verse 36 to 38. Matthew chapter 9. The reading is from verse 36 to 38. But when he saw the multitude, when Jesus saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. He was moved. He was moved with compassion, feeling of pity for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. When you see people, eh? These days, I don't come to Atlas and Tran much. But those days, I used to take state transport. I used to take buses from Atlas and Tran. I used to use the public toilet in Atlas and Tran. And when you come to Atlas and Tran, you see hundreds of people, literally thousands of people. I go away. When you see human beings, when you see human beings who don't have Jesus, do you feel anything for them? If you don't feel anything for them, you can never have the heart of God. And when you don't have the heart of God, when you are praying, He just looks at you. When Jesus saw the multitude, He was moved with compassion because they were weary, scattered, sick without a shepherd. What about you? When you see people going to hell, how do you feel? How do you feel? Do you feel anything at all? A lot of church members have witchcraft. Because what moves God doesn't move them. What moves the devil is what moves them. Listen. What did Jesus say? Thirty seven. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He continued here. He said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Why? Because everybody is busy about his business, her business, and your fast is for your business. So how can you see the harvest? You can see. You can see. I, I tell people that I never imagined that I'll be a pastor. I never imagined that I'll be a pastor. It was when I failed my exams in the university that for the first time it entered my deep head that uh, probably God is calling me. That night, when they came and told me I failed, I put on my coat and came to Thomas Station to preach. Look, this is my 43rd year as an ordained pastor. 
when I look back, if I had gone on to do what I wanted to do in the university and finish, a lot of things would have gone wrong with the kingdom. But I won't understand. In a 40-day fast, I'll be busy telling God to renew myself so that I can do more business, promote me. And He will be telling me, you don't know what you are spoiling for me. You don't know what you have done to me. And I will understand. The habit truly is places. It's the neighbors who are here. Now, please jump to Luke chapter 19. We will only read verse 41 because of the time. Luke 19.41 Luke 19.41 Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. You see? Jesus never rode in a chariot his whole life. Even though Ethiopia you not had chariot, Jesus never rode in a chariot. Jesus was on a donkey. And people were using palm branches, their clothes, and they were spraying on the ground, Hosanna, Hosanna, son of David, Hosanna. And as he drew near, he saw the city of Jerusalem, and he wept over it. When was the last time you wept because somebody is going to hell? When was the last time? Should I ask you to stand and if you are here, the last time you wept over somebody's going to hell. Should I ask you to stand up? This is how the church is now a stranger to her husband Jesus. We don't wait over the same things. When the Jesus is lifted, we are able to rejoice. Not only that. Let me tell you the fact. As I stand here now, it's 2,000 years since Jesus asked the church to go and make disciples of all nations. It's 2,000 years. The first Christians, the early church, within 30 years, they took the gospel from Jerusalem, broke through the resistance of Judaism and Israel's stronghold. Because they crucified Jesus. They didn't want Jesus' name to become popular. They broke through it. Then they got to the Iron Roman Empire. They got the gospel to Rome before the Acts of Apostles ended. And Rome was the iron empire of the world. Since the world began, no empire has been as strong as the Roman Empire. 600 years. You just heard Pastor Prosper mention it. One prisoner. They don't care to attack 18 soldiers. One prisoner. That's how they were. And if a prisoner runs away from you, they kill you. Full stop. That's the Roman Empire. Christianity broke down the Roman Empire. Today, Christianity is moving, Roman Empire is down. But what do we see today? As I speak now, there are 2,000 languages without any Bible. No Bible. The Bible is in, the whole Bible is in 70 languages. The New Testament is in 1,500 languages. But there are 2,000 languages, no Bible. Number two. 
as I speak now, 28 out of every 100 people have never heard of Jesus once. They haven't heard of the first coming, much less the second coming. 28%. The third thing is the tribes. The tribes, like the Busanga, the Wah, and Awin, the Wala. 42 out of 100 tribes and peoples have less than two Christians in every hundred. We call them unreached people. Unreached people. Not only that. Eighty-seven out of one hundred people among the Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, Shintoists, have never seen a Christian with their eyes before, since they were born, until they died. No church, no Bible, no pastor, nothing, from birth until they die. Not only that. When money is brought to the church, out of 100 cities, less than one city is used by the church for people who have never heard the gospel. You understand? Less than one percent of every hundred cities that comes to the church is used for people who have never heard about Jesus. Not only that. We call something the 1040 window. This is just from Navrongo up into the Sahara Desert and across to Asia. Sixty-two You know, we, these are people groups. I can explain them, but it's not worth the sermon. When, you know, at first, we all thought that when Jesus said, go, make disciples of all nations, he meant Ghana, Togo, Belize, and Cote d'Ivoire, Nigeria. It's not true. In the Bible, Matthew 28, 19, he said, Ta that ethnic is a Greek word. It means the ethno-linguistic people groups. The Krobo, the Dangu, the Tisala, the Wasa. So in Ghana alone, we have 111 people groups. Nigeria has 542 people groups. Papua New Guinea has 852 people groups. One country. So the way is not done. As I speak right now, Ghana has identified 20 people groups that have not heard the gospel. The Gonja, the Wala, the uh, Nanumba, the Mamprusi, the Busanga, uh, and so on. They are in Ghana. Ghanaians are in church, worshiping, falling down, and blowing supernatural Holy Ghost. Those graduate towns, but they don't feel anything for their fellow Ghanaians who are going to hell. They couldn't be bothered. And even among us, eh? Dagbamate. Dagbamate is in Volta region. Let's look at this. Dagbamate is in Volta region. Look at And there are towns around us like that. Nobody cares. Because you want to be a chapter of cancer. But that's not all. The truth is that 
the number of people who are not Christians is increasing. 1900, they were 1 billion. Now, as I speak, they are 5.2 billion who are not Christians. Not only that, the percentage of Christians in the world is not increasing. From 1900, we were roughly 33%. As I speak now, 120 years after, Christians are still around 33%. Do you care? Do you care? How many Christians pray every day that other tribes should be saved? Lost people should be saved. This whole fast, if there is no monetary and prayer topic, you know what to pray about. You, yourself, yours, and your you. You, yourselves, yours, and I. You know very clearly what you want from God. And you go in the morning. And you go on the fast. And you go tomorrow. I know girls who pray and fast so that God will allow them to marry a certain brother in the church. And I'm not just speaking. I, I have the past. What, what type of Christianity is this? A Christianity that is just about you. Is that the Christianity of the Bible? Is that what Jesus did? Do you want to, do you care to be like this? Does it worry you that people are going to hell? Whenever I say to them, I will say, Pastor, Pastor, hey, I'm delivered. They say, praise the Lord. Oh, we bless the Lord. Then I tell my wife, hey, Sister Comfort has delivered. The first question she asks me, this is a baby boy or baby girl. Then I said, I didn't ask. When somebody dies, the first person to ask is, is the person born again? Is he going to heaven or hell forever? Do you care? Do you really care? Do you want to care? The people who started the church care. But the people who are following them, do they care? Do they really care? Do we have youth in this church who 30 days fast is because they care for souls? Do we, do we have youth like that? Do we have leaders like that in the church? Who cares for lost people? You, you, I know what you are saying. I say, let me come back. I'm sick. I want God to heal me. I'm this. I, I need money. This day, don't go proud to come to church. It's not easy, Pastor. Don't tell me about praying for other people. Yes. It's because you don't know the God you are worshiping. You see, the God we worship, John 3 16 says, God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In 2 Peter 3 9, the Bible says that God is not slow about bringing this world to an end. We will read that one. But he is being long-suffering towards us. Not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3 9. 3 verse 9. Yes. 
The Lord is God's land, returning His promise. I found counsel at me, but His love suffered to order. How willing that any should perish, stop this. Let's all say, not willing that any should perish. Not willing that any should perish. The God you call Father is not willing that any should perish. He can bring this world to an end today because of your city, the way the city is falling. He can do it, but his heart is that he is not willing that any should perish. He is not running the world with the convenience of Ghana's government. That's not why he's running this world. He's running the world according to his heart, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. What does First Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 and 5 say? Who desires all men to be saved. God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. To come to the knowledge of the truth. Yes, it's okay. They have got the point. Second, um, the rest you don't need to read it. Acts 17, 30, 31 says the times of ignorance God has overlooked. But now, but now, but now, he commands all men everywhere to repent because there is the day of judgment coming when the holiness of God will judge the world. Do you think Hitler and uh, you know all those criminals, people who shoot 46 people and kill them and say, oh, I, do you think on judgment day they should all go to heaven with you. How many people vote for that? On judgment day, you want Hitler? Who, who are the war criminals, right? Mussolini, Stalin, you Osama want Bin Laden. Osama Bin Laden, you want Cain, eh? Cain, Judah Iscariot, uh, uh, Gehazi, and uh, yeah, you want all of them to come to heaven with us. Let's vote. You see, even you know that some people must not get to heaven. Even you, so the holiness of God can never allow everybody to get to heaven. He must judge, and that judgment is final. And from that day, your cousin, your mother, your auntie, you will see the person again because. The righteous anger of God is bent against them. Therefore, He commands all many people to repent. But that's not all. Look at Jesus. When He came to this earth, He said in Luke 19:10, The Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. He said in Mark 10:45, That the Son of Man has not come to be saved but to serve and give his life as a ransom. He came to die so that you people will not go to death. So he went about villages, cities, preaching the gospel. Even on the cross, he won a soul. He won a soul on the cross before he died. That's Jesus. What about the Holy Spirit? Eh? You shall ask one thing. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit is come upon. And you will be witnesses to me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost part of the earth. What, what do you think? If you are Holy Spirit, and there are two people, one of them, he speaks in tongues four hours every day, but he doesn't preach to anybody. The second person doesn't speak in tongues, but he preaches to ten people every day. If you were Holy Spirit, which of these two will you be comfortable inside? Let's vote. No, let's vote. I want to see your mind. Somebody speaks in tongues four hours every day, 
but he never preaches to anybody. Then another person preaches to ten people every day. But he, he doesn't even have the gift of dance. Just that the Holy Spirit, his body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit. Which of these two, if you were Holy Spirit, which of these two will you mark the paper for? All those who say the speaker is dumb, please raise your hand. I want to count you. Do you have to inside? You see? The assignment of the Holy Spirit is to finish the work Jesus came to start. So he's pushing the text. Do it. Go. At the most part of the earth. Even if Philippian uh, jailer or Ethiopian eunuch, you imagine, when you look around the story, Ethiopian eunuch went to Jerusalem searching for God. He was thirsty, hungry for God. Nobody preached to him, even though the apostles were there. And he was going back home without Jesus. And the Holy Spirit says, Quick, Philip, get up from where you are and there's the revival and leave the revival in Samaria. Leave! There's one person who must come to know you. And quickly brought Philip. Let's get close to the chariot. Join it. And when that person was baptized, the Spirit took Philip away because mission accomplished. Now, if there were any other way to heaven, Apart from Jesus, I will keep quiet. If there is any other way, if a Muslim can enter heaven, we shall bend our Bible. If a Hindu can get to heaven without Jesus, we must bend the Bible. Do you understand? Because the Bible, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one, no one comes to God the Father except by me. Acts 4, 12, he says, there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven, given among men, whereby we should be saved, except the name of Jesus. 1 John 5, 11 and 12, he says, this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, but this life is in his son. He will have the son, has life. He will not have the son of life, or of God, does not have life. If a Muslim can get to heaven, the heaven of the Bible, the heaven of Jesus, without this knowing Jesus, then this Bible must be dead. This is the truth. But that's not all. Look, you need to understand that. Even unbelievers, when they die, they feel for their family members on earth who have not been preached to. That's Luke 16, from verse 19 to 31. Even unbelievers, when they die, they feel they Lazarus is a rich man who didn't mind anything. He didn't mind Lazarus. When he died, he said, I have five brothers. Please. Send Lazarus to go and preach to them. I beg you. The conscience of the church today is dead. Things which matter to God really matter to us. And the church must wake up because the priority of God is shown. My wife is here. Me, I don't, well, I cannot defend myself. But I don't preach to people for money. I will never do that until I die. I'm preaching because I'm grateful that the blood of Jesus washed me. And now that I am saved, I can help other people. So I started a discipleship in the U.S. There are only six people. I meet them every week. Last time, my daughter Asida sent me a quarter that the people in the U.S. have sent me a birthday present. Thousand 
she wrote 12,000. Then I said, oh, do you mean 1,200 cities? He said 12,000 cities. I'm just discipling them. It's my birthday. They have sent me 12,000. It's bigger than my salary, monthly salary. Oh yeah, apostle is here. What, what the people have decided, what they sent me, is bigger than my monthly salary. So what's my problem? If Bank of Ghana pays you when you work, if you enough and eh, Nagra, eh? if they pay you when you work for them, when you work for God, He pays you. You see? He pays you. Even the person you are witnessing to, He may not be the person who gives you the money. But somebody from somewhere you didn't know comes, and God is not going to pay you in food or dollars. He pays you in heavenly currency. Yeah. Didn't Philippians 3 20 say we are our citizenship is in heaven? If I'm a citizen of heaven, why shouldn't I be paid in the currency of heaven? So, what must you do? Number one. From today, start praying this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, let me feel what you feel for people going to hell. You pray every day. That's the Lord Jesus. Let me feel what you feel when people's souls are lost. Let me feel it. I want to feel it. Because even if you are a pastor and you don't feel that way, your sermons are never correct. Because you don't feel what God is feeling. You know, whenever I'm a father, whenever I'm disciplining any of my children, I see the mother. The mother will be shouting, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> you see, because they carry the baby in the womb for nine months. So they feel, when they are carrying that, they feel it all. It's why mothers spoil the children. You see, in the same way, if you feel what Jesus feels when people are going to hell, your attitude will be different. What you talk about in the office is not really personal. And this day, what is this day? Everybody is going on strike. And they say, this economy, the way they are handling and this. I know what you talk about. You talk about Jesus. You see? Because grumbling is not a spiritual gift God has given us. So number one, pray so that God will give you the way He feels about people going to hell. Number two, everybody must learn how to share your personal testimony and share the Roman road with somebody who is lost. Everybody don't say, for me, I'm a thief. For me, I'm a, I'm a prophet. For me, I'm a, an apostle. Jesus came to seek and save the Lord. Everybody in this church must be taught, trained how to share your personal testimony. Share the Roman road. Number three. Every local assembly must start an evangelistic ministry. If you don't already have it, get people who have the passion and gifts for winning souls. Put them together and weekly train them, send them out. That's their work. Every local assembly. And the last one I want to put across to you is we all need to build a way of taking care of the new souls coming to the church every Sunday. 
Luke 2, 47 says, The Lord added to their number. Then, such as have been saved. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord added to their number. Then, those who have been saved. So it means when people come to your church, God send them to the church. It's the Lord who has sent them. You need to take care of them. To absorb them, assimilate them, so that they enter. There are some church members, old church members, they are tired of their heads. They don't want to come. You have to be calling them, begging them before they come. Some people want their heads. They want Jesus. And they come. Why don't we take care of those people? So, I have told you what I want to tell you. Now, we are going to crown it with prayer. For today, don't pray about yourself. Let's all pray for people who are lost, for family members who are not going to get, your cousins, nephews, nieces, your grandmother. Let's pray for our classmates, our schoolmates, our workmates, our neighbors. And let's pray for unreached people groups, people who have not had the gospel at all. And our young men, you know, if you are a father and mother here, and your son is going to secondary school, or your daughter is going to the university, pray that, oh, father, I want this my child to be a pastor, to be an evangelist. I want this my child to become an apostle and, and go to and reach people groups. Father, pray for that. Don't let him or her here. Pray behind. Do you understand? Because he wants to be a banker. But you, you need a pastor in your family. You need an apostle in your family. You need an evangelist in your family. You need God in your family. The banker can bank all the money. The lawyer can law all the way. The engineer can build angels. But the men and women of God in the family, they make the family open for God to enter the family. Let's be on our feet and talk to God. Follow JFK Mensa Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Mensa's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensaministries.org. God bless you.